Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about time. Time management. Even oh, more fun. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> That's probably the nerdiest thing I've ever said on this show. Um, yes. So uh, listen up, soloists. This one's for you, especially for you. We want to talk about time management. And this probably sounds boring, but I, I promise it will be somewhat interesting, at least somewhat interesting. Set the bar kind of low. We'll, we'll do our best. Right? Yeah. Um, but this, we sort of, Rochelle and I had sort of a post-show chat last week after we talked about the the uh, dark side of delegation and and I, how how we sort of manage our time. Simple as that. Like, what is the, what's the framework that we use? And I think I mentioned on the last show, I'm working with someone where the, the goal is to get them down to, you know, from say a 35-hour week to maybe a 25, 20-hour work week, something like that. So, and I'm, it's wild because I, you never really, I've never had an experience where I watched someone else's calendar. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah, we don't. All we know is our own. We don't watch somebody else's. Right. So when, when I would be, you know, you know, I would say like, okay, here's how I do this. And it was, at least to her was like, huh. That's a, that's a weird way or not a weird, you know, it was just like, I'm like, doesn't everybody do it like this? You know? And, and she, she sort of coined this. She, she was like, wow, like there's sort of a ruthless simplicity to this. And I was like, yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly how I approach it. Sort of make it create this ruthless simplicity around uh, how you decide what you're going to do next, like what your week's going to look like, what your day is going to look like. And then from your days come your weeks. I just realized ruthless simplicity. She just captured your whole vision for your business. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> not just your time management. Yeah, yeah, it really hit me. Yeah. Well, why not? If you can do it and it suits you, why not? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I think we could start really anywhere. But the, the thing that I think about, I think a lot, and in my experience, people don't think about this that much, or at least not consciously. They probably have a subconscious routine around this, but I read Getting Things Done by David Allen would have been probably around 2006. And I I was like a big fan of that book. It really, his style, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like a bestseller, big time bestseller. And he has this concept of inboxes. Part of the book is this concept of inboxes and like, where, where are your inboxes? Where can people put stuff on your to-do list? You know, where do you put stuff on your to-do list? And he has you, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time, but my recollection is that the beginning of the process of getting yourself clear is to cat, um, catalog all of your different inboxes. And he means this like, the the book was very, I remember it, like I literally went out and bought a filing cabinet, like a yeah. four drawer file I was going to say, cabinet. when you said that, I'm picturing like a literal inbox. Yeah. And he talks about literal inboxes a lot. Like, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, if, does this even happen anymore where you have the inbox and outbox on your desk at, in, a, in a corporate environment? I, I don't, I remember having that and I remember frowning at anybody other than my assistant who came in and put something in right, it. <laughs> right. But the metaphor, metaphor might be weak because I don't know if people really have these anymore. It's all seems like a lot of people probably it's all digital but the concept is great it's like it's it's like an inbox is kind of like someone else's to-do list for you it's like their honey-do list and and you probably have a half dozen of them at least and it includes everything from your you know your actual mailbox on your house or your apartment and your email inbox your social media probably social media if you're the type that that is really engaging with people there uh, your calendar your if you have calendly or some kind of scheduling thing your to-do list so anyway I, I really I've thought a lot about it subconsciously I've organized it in a way and it's been so wild to kind of teach it to somebody because it makes all makes it all conscious and 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 anyway so that's where this is all coming from. So I'm probably going to have a lot more to say about it than you want to hear. But <laughs> well, we'll try to control the geek outness yes. of this episode. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, the good news is it's ruthlessly simple. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you think about time management in a big picture way? When you think about, and I'm not even going to say your calendar yet, but just your time. How do you think about how you're going to use it? I, my, my knee-jerk reaction to that is I don't think about it. Like I have goals for it where I, okay, here's how I think about it. So the, I have this goal of getting my hours down to a minimum, not to zero. I've gone, I've gone too far. Like four hours is, is about as low as I can go where before I just completely disengage and just forget that I have a business. You know what I mean? It's like, it's <laughs> laziness weird. takes over. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my, my, there's a bunch of processes in my brain that automatically work, like thinking up a daily email. And, and when my, when I'm not spending enough time like interacting with somebody about business stuff, that shuts off and then it becomes really hard to write, you know, so it, so there's like a, four or five hours, like a minimum for me. So like think, think of it as like a day a week. That's kind of like, but I, I like to spread it out. I wouldn't want to do it all in one day. I'm not a batcher. So anyway, so I think about it like that. I want my hours down because that's my cost and I want to maximize my profitability. So I want my costs as low as possible. So I get those down. So that's my, I guess the goal. And then the, the, if there's like a, it's tough to call this a thought because it's more of observing my reaction. But when I do stuff, when something appears on my calendar or in one of my inboxes, I am, I have a finely tuned sort of uh, like radar detector for how it makes me feel when I see it. Like, am I excited to do that or am I bummed? And I notice that. And when I'm, when I'm excited about it, I'm like, okay, I want to do more of that. It's energizing. I want to, okay, those are the things that I like. And sometimes it's like, it might be the same kind of appointment, but it's with someone who's more energizing that I prefer to talk to, or it could be a type of activity, you know, I don't know, like cash flow projection spreadsheet, like maybe not my favorite thing to do. So I can, I can tell, I, I just sort of know because I am sensitive to it which things energize me and which things drain me. So for the hours that I'm going to work in a week, so whatever that minimum is, then I want it to be chock full of the energizing stuff. And like we said in the delegation episode, anything that drains me either gets cut or automated or at least systematized. Does that answer the question though? Yeah, no, actually it does because, you know, before we hit record, we were talking about like how far away we are from each other on this spectrum of managing our time. And I, I think that's helpful. Um, so the way that I've started doing it in the last couple of years is I kind of think of my time in three chunks. There's genius time, genius zone time, mm -hmm. where I'm doing things that only I can do and that I just really love to do. Mm -hmm. And then I have build time, which is, you know, building the business time. So that could be uh, talking to a potential client. It could be working on this podcast. It could be, um, you know, writing a post, whatever those are. And there could be some crossover between build time and genius time, depending on what the, you know, what the actual activity is. Mm -hmm. And then there's free time. Mm -hmm. And, for me, I always have trouble shutting it off in free time. So that's always my challenge. My biggest challenge is, is that that free time. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, sure, you can. It's easy for you, Rochelle, to have genius time because, you know, you've been doing this for a while. But I think what happens is that whoever you read, like whatever gurus you read who talk about time, a lot of them are serving an entrepreneurial audience of people that have employees. Yes, exactly. And so genius time, and they'll use different words for it, but genius time is all about being alone. No clients, no employees. It's just you dreaming big about the business. Well, I disagree with that for our kinds of businesses. Like I count my time with coaching clients as genius time because I'm using literally the best of me in those calls. And when I hang up, I might have more energy than when I started. I might have less, but I'm still feeling good about it. Yep. So that's genius time. And I'm with people. I'm not by myself. So I don't feel like I need, and you know, unless I'm developing something like, you know, when I've been working on the Solus Women podcast or I'll work on, you know, a new program, then I need big chunks of time 
without anybody else. But it's really about being true to yourself and recognizing how you can get to the point where we've talked about this lately, this upward spiral, Mm -hmm. right? Where your life just keeps getting better and better. And for me, that's about getting as much of my time as I possibly can into that genius zone. And then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like work most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's the outcome. I suppose it was implied, but that's the outcome when I get rid of all of the draining stuff and like the energizing stuff is just like, why wouldn't I do it? I get paid for this. Are you crazy? Yeah. And, you know, just from a, you know, a very just logistical viewpoint. So what I finally did was I realized that my Calendly, which is how most people get onto my calendar, wasn't optimized for those three things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back in and I like to to work in like half day segments And so that's how I think of my calendar is like there's the morning and there's the afternoon. And so I went back into Calendly and based on each type of meeting, I slotted it in a particular half day of the week and and more than one, of course. So, you know, so I have certain time blocks for client calls and I have certain time blocks for podcast interviews and certain time blocks for kind of everybody else that just falls into the build portion of the business. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to meet somebody new. We're going to have a, you know, a get to know you half hour Mm -hmm. would be an example of a build activity. Or I'm writing a piece. Um, It could be the podcast. It depends. I don't feel like the podcast is in my genius zone yet, but maybe it will be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on that. Not We're not so far apart. No, I think we're on the same side of the spectrum, but just kind of different ends. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so let's let's loop back to this inbox concept a little bit. And the the thing about a thing that I don't recall ever hearing from anyone because I'm a big fan of that getting things done book. I that had a big effect on how I run my day, and it's been a long time since I read this, so it might be straight out of the book. I don't know, uh, but my recollection is that the book is is there's a lot of orientation around paper inboxes, and I. Barely, barely. I mean, literally, my only paper inbox is like bills that come in the mail, you know, which is a very low. Most things are paid automatically. Yeah, it's just not that much, not that much paper inbox. Occasionally, there'll be paperwork from like a school thing or the vet for the dogs, or, but it's, it's very low. And even then, I usually take a picture of it and it goes into a digital system. So the order, one of the things that I found this kind of surprised me is that I have a very particular order of checking my inboxes. So like I have um, inboxes, I have, they're sort of prioritized and I kind of do throughout the day, I kind of do this round robin thing where the first thing I check is my calendar. Like what, you know, either the, you know, the Friday before the next week or Sunday night, like what does the week look like? And, and then in the morning, you know, so I know if I need to set an alarm or something like that, get up in the morning and it's like, okay, what are my appointments today? And so in my calendar is exclusively, I think with rare exceptions, my calendar is exclusively for appointments. So it's something, it's, it's a, it's a, a block of time that I can't just move with impunity. I would have to like communicate with somebody and say like, oh, sorry, you know, can we move this or whatever? So I don't put to do's in my calendar. I don't put like block of time for a specific thing, like Mm -hmm. uh, edit the podcast or something like that. So write your daily email. That would not be in your calendar. Yeah, exactly. So like that's a task that I can do whenever. It doesn't need to be done at a particular time. It might have a deadline, you know, like the daily to do's, you know, it's happening every day, but I can do it at any time. So that would go in my to-do list and my appointments. So the, the order that I check the inboxes between, if we just limit it to calendar and task list, to-do list, first I check the calendar and I'm like, all right, do I have something to do? The answer is either yes or no. Um, and if it's yes, then I'm just, I'm probably going to, you know, and I haven't got enough time to do anything before the meeting, then I'm just going to prep for the meeting. You know, let's say I've got like, 15, 10, 15 minutes. I'm just going to like, you know, whatever it depends on the person. Like if it's a podcast interview, I'm going to like uh, remind myself what the email chain leading up to it was, or if it's a coaching call, you know, it's like 
review their to-dos from the last time and all that stuff. But if I look at my calendar and I've got some block of time, oh wait, before I move on from that, it, importantly, I think it's importantly, when I'm looking at my calendar inbox, I cannot see my to-dos. So like one of the, if you used like Google for all of this, you can have like your tasks overlaid on your calendar. I don't do that. And I think it's a mistake to do that because that, because that is all information that's just like buzzing around in your head, stuff you got to do, look at all the stuff I have to do, but you don't actually have to do it right now. And there's nothing you can do about it right now because you're preparing for this appointment. So <laughs> for me, having them visible at the same time is a no-no for, for me. Because I don't want it. It's just such a distraction. Yeah, it's a huge distraction. It's just clutters. Nothing you can do about it. Pretend they don't exist. You're just going to worry or or just think about the wrong thing. It's like focus on the thing that's coming up. Then when the meeting is over, the interview or whatever it is, then I go back and I check the calendar again. Every time I hang up the phone, the very next thing I do is check my calendar. And I see how much time I have until the next thing. And if I have... You know, and then if there is a significant amount of time, I don't know, an hour or something like more than that, it's usually more than that, then and only then will I go over to my to-do list and say, okay, I've got time, I've got this much time, what do I feel like doing right now? What is the thing on this list of maybe 10, 20 things that I feel like doing? And and then if there's any that have a due date, because they don't all have a due date, but if any of them do, then I'm probably going to, I'm going to probably try and tick those off first. So that, but that piece about not, not having your to do's shoved in your face constantly, it was, I think a big thing in terms of like the, the person I'm working with, I think is uh, fairly important in terms of getting that, that swarm of bees feeling off out of your head, you know, from, from hovering around you, that constant feeling of like, I'm never going to be done. Right, because most yes. of the to dos in my list are recurring. They come back daily, weekly, monthly. So you don't want you don't want to just like look at this. You're just shoveling sand against the tides. Like you you don't need to see that. You should only see that at particular times when you can do something about it. So uh, I don't know. I'm probably over making yeah. the point, but uh, it's I think no, that's I pretty it. important. I get it. It's like a treadmill, you know. And he's just like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Is it ever going to stop? Right. And um, Groundhog Day. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think especially for people uh, that put their personal things on there as well. And if you have kids, and if you have like more than one, (laughs) you've got everybody's Mm -hmm. schedules, and you have maybe a spouse or partner schedule in there too. And it can be overwhelming for some people, or it can give you this sense of being needed and being busy, but then it takes your focus off the things that you really want to do that just don't have an immediacy to them. Because then you don't get that that sort of psychological lift by crossing something off the list. Yeah, which I do. I'm a big fan of like the, like I will, if I do something that wasn't on my list, I'll put it on my list and cross it off. Cross it off, yeah. Now, is your list, is yeah. it manual? Is it like a piece of paper? No, it's digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use Remember the Milk, but that's irrelevant. It's just the one I, I, I picked a million years ago because it has, it's very cross-platform and... Uh, it's very fast. It, it's a, it's, it's, I'm sure there's a million options out there. It doesn't matter what one you use, but, uh, yeah, it's purely digital. So that way I can, uh, if I, I, I've done paper in the past and I just don't always have it on me. And that's a problem because I, I do have all, I have a complete mix. There's no separation between my work and my life stuff. So I'm checking off to do's like, all day long, every day. So I can't, it's not something I only do at my desk. Yeah. So it has to be on my phone. Yeah. Interesting. I've, I've gone back and forth on that. And right now I keep a, I keep a paper list. And when I had my property business, I had two lists. And because when something was big, like the initial renovation or um, I'm interviewing a bunch of tenants because it's turning over. You know, then there was like a lot flurry of activity, but normally it was just you know nothing. It was just these are the things you do two or three times a year, and boom, you're done. But there's um, there's something I've started doing in the last maybe six months, and I'm trying to remember where I read it. I think it's a I think it's a 
uh, I think it's a coach university thing, Dan Sullivan, um, where when I go to bed, when I'm getting ready to go to bed, I write down the three things that I accomplished for the day that I'm really proud of. And I write three things that I want to accomplish tomorrow. Not one, Mm. not 10, three. And the, the research behind that says that your subconscious mind will work on that while you're sleeping. Um, but they're not like little things. They're big things, at least for me. That's how I look at it. It's not like, oh, I need to send so-and-so a note about X. It's, you know, I, I want to... Um, I want to launch the podcast. Like that's a big thing, but it's still only one of three. And so then when I get up in the morning and I'm, you know, once I'm kind of, you know, I check my calendar and kind of go through the same sort of rituals that you do is I have this sheet of paper and I will write down those three goals, but there's also all the little to do's because those are not to do's, those three things. Those are my goals for the day. Those are the big picture things to keep my eye on. So I have those and I just write them again at the top of the paper. And there's something for me about writing it that feels like it goes from my hand to my brain. And I don't want to write much more than that because I'd rather just type it and have it on all of my devices. But I've been, I've been experimenting and I've liked where that goes because it's, it, the, those little things that I will forget, I have to write them down or put them in, a, in an app because otherwise they're bees they're buzzing around my head and I can't yep. let them go. So those get written down. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of it, it's like it's really important to keep focused on the big things that you want to keep moving forward. Yes, for sure. So I, there is one time I write stuff down and that is I find that there are certain creative tasks. It's almost always where I've got a f- either a full day or a half day completely devoted to something that needs like four hours. So for example, I just switched one of my workshops, automatic proposals. I switched it from a cohort based launch cycle to an evergreen. You can buy it whenever you want type of thing. And since it had been built with a whole bunch of assumptions about the launch and the cohort and all that, I knew that there were going to be at least 20 little changes that needed to be made all over the place, you know, in my email marketing software, on my website, in the, in Moon Clerk, maybe in Stripe. I knew I had to check a million things, go through the whole process and it was going to take, and and I had to do it all in one go. Oh, no interruptions. No, no interruptions. So even though most of the tasks that I would have to do were on the computer. I didn't want my, for some reason, a strong pull for me to write down the to-dos on a piece of paper. There's no order to them. There was no organization to them. I wasn't going to have to like word process it, you know? So it's just like, I was like away from the computer and I was like, okay, let me just think of all the places I need to check And I just like, you know, like brain dumped onto this piece of paper. And I knew if I tried to do it on my computer, I'd end up doing something else. So I kind of like captured all of this stuff on a piece of paper. I filled up a whole sheet of paper with stuff to check. And then I went in and I just like laser focused on like, okay, check Moon Clerk, go through the form. What's the name of the, you know, is there a name of a coupon Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense now? And there's just a million things to check. And uh, so that is, that is... It's funny because I usually go to my actual office to do stuff like this. So I, I know I won't get distracted by the dogs or kids or anything. And and it's funny because whenever I'm there, I almost always have a piece of paper with that list of stuff. So there is some connection there for that kind of work and that kind of a to-do list. But it, it's a very ephemeral kind of to-do list. It's like it's never going to recur. It's never going to come back again. So it's fine that it's not typed in or anything like that. Well, yeah, and what you're saying is the process that you would normally use would have distracted you, right? Because you're going like back and forth. And there's something about having something on the screen in front of you that makes it harder to concentrate and think about the 27 things that might be impacted by this thing that you're doing, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it, it, probably what would happen is I would think of it and then I would try and then I would go fix it. And then I would be like, wait, what was I doing? <laughs> Right. So yeah, (laughs) something about that is super important. Um, Another thing that you, we we started talking about here a little bit, you said, you know, the three things aren't to do's. Um, Let's, I want to talk about 
the to-do list, the tasks on the to-do list a little bit, a little bit more, at least the way that I do it. One is that I keep them to the smallest next action. So, you know, let's say launch podcast is a goal. I wouldn't put, you know, like what's it? Well, you tell me what's a really, really small task that you could do to move that ball forward. Uh, it could be like put episode, you know, three to bed. You know, I've, I've listened to the, listen to the, um, the audio edit and approve or yeah, change. That's right. That put it to bed is almost too big for me, but I stack them. So that's how I do it. Like I'd listen to the episode and then I would like make sure it's, it's posted in the right place. Like I would, I would, that one thing initiates a series of things. And so if I just wrote, put it to bed, I would know what that means, but yeah, you could, you could Got parse it, it yeah. out in, in multiple pieces. So that's a good point, right? Because I'll have like like today, every Tuesday, I have a, a, a recurring to-do to edit TVOA. And that's it. It just says edit TVOA. But that triggers me to go over and open a sp- another checklist. It's, it's Essentially, it could be in my to-do list, but it would be, enor- it would just overwhelm the system. But it's, you're right. It's like, it's essentially a small project. But I've got an SOP for that. So, and when I see the edit yes. to do it, I know that I've got this checklist. So then I just go over there and I go down the list. So it's kind of like a sub to dos. I don't put the subcategory to dos. I guess I could, but it would just overwhelm the app. It would look, it would look wrong. It wouldn't. I, I'll keep an open mind. Yeah, you just made yet another case why we all need SOPs because what happens, like I'm still, because the new podcast is new and I'm still working out like what happens when, my SOP is like this draft document. But once I've got the system down like we do with TBOA, it I'll have that SOP. So if I wanted to hand it off to someone, I could, or if I needed to refresh myself because, oh, I don't know, I was off in the mountains for a month um, breathing fresh mm-hmm. air. Um, you, you can do that. But the point is that it triggers automatic things. And, you know, we know that there's, you know, five steps, for example, to get the podcast from once it's recorded to getting it scheduled every place it needs to be. So, yeah, I mean, I think, at least for me, Knowing what those things are, I don't write them down on my on my handwritten sheet because they're in an SOP if I need them. Yeah, exactly. So w- when I'm working with someone, you know, one of the things in private coaching is every two weeks we have a phone call and at the end of the phone call, I update this sort of list of to-dos that, that align with their strategy and their objective. And, and in those, like a lot of, a lot of the things that I will put in there are things that they've never done for so never done before so they're surely not going to have an SOP for it. So in those cases like it, let's say the the overall task or it's it's too small to call it a project but it's bigger than a task which would be like like publish a sales page for your new program. That would kill someone if I just like publish a sales page for your new program. Paralyze <laughs> paralyze paralyze paralyze. So what's the first thing you can do? You know, like like read my building the perfect sales page article. That's a to-do. Copy the outline, the nine-point outline into a Google Doc. That's a to-do. Brain dump into each of the sections anything that comes to mind, but don't let yourself get hung up on it. And if you don't have anything to dump in there, just leave it with the nine headings to-do. That's a to-do. They're all super manageable, small, just the next thing types of things, which really is me slowly dripping out the SOP for building a sales page. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's you, I want them to, I always want, and this is for, for students and for myself, I want that dopamine hit of crossing the thing off the list. So I don't want, what I don't want the worst is when somebody opens up their, they, they look at their calendar, they know that they've got time, they open up their to-do list and they reorder it and they prioritize it and they rename things and they're moving things around and they're like, which one of these things should I do? And it just keeps growing and growing and growing and nothing gets done. And then I wonder what's going on Facebook and oh, I should probably check my email. And it's just like, no, you want, I want them to be able to jump in and have like maybe even a three to five to certainly under 15 minute task. I want to have tasks on there that are like small. Um, anyway, so it, but 
like we just described, we described the opposite of that, which is like the to-do trigger that sends you over to an SOP. But if you find yourself reorganizing your to-do list more than ticking things off of it, then you know that probably you've got some mini projects on your list that you don't have a checklist for. So try and break them into, you know, five, 10 subtasks. Like what is the next action that you need to do and just have that one thing on there? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really, it's such a, it's that psychological lift of knowing that you're making progress and, and then you mm-hmm. can check something off. It's, it's that little bit of confidence, especially if it's something you're worried about, you're not sure you can do imposter syndrome, you know, whatever's lurking there is just, you know, one step at a time. I'm going to do this first and cross yeah, that exactly. Out. Do this second. We'll cross yeah, how that do you off. eat an elephant? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds so like so so easy, so simple. And it is simple. It just isn't always easy, which is why I think we have to kind of train ourselves to do that so that we can, you know, we can be productive but still enjoy what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the next inbox on my list, so it's my number one inbox is calendar. Number two inbox is my to-do list. And depending on how my day is looking, I could have a couple of, there's probably two, two next candidates for what I'm going to check next. Uh, one is I'm going to probably triage my email inbox, uh, or I'm going to check my maybe someday list. So those are those are the probably the mm-hmm. two candidates of what I'm going to do next. So the the email triage and I think both things are worth talking about. So the email triage is I think pretty much straight out of Getting Things Done by David Allen and it's like he's got a nice little f- framework for it and I I might be I might have put my own spin on it over the years but basically I just go through and I get a fair enough, you know, I get a fair amount of email every day because of the mailing list. So maybe, maybe I've got 75 messages every day. And I'll using keyboard commands in Gmail, you can just sort of down arrow your way through the inbox, like down arrow X, down arrow X, down arrow X, and you could select all of the emails that you can tell at a glance are either marketing emails or um, spam or whatever. They're just they they're good to have, or maybe stuff like I save a lot of, I'm on a lot of people's lists and I save their messages of, as like a swipe file. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, Amy, Amy Porterfield's doing a launch. I wonder what her copywriting looks like for that, you know? So like, I'll subscribe to that and then like put all that stuff in a folder. So in some cases I even automate that piece, but I'll just triage the inbox. It takes under a minute to go through 70 emails with the keyboard and archive like 80% of it. And then the rest of the stuff I need to open. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, how they say people sort their mail over the trash can. It's mm-hmm. it's just like that where I, I'm looking through my inbox. I'm like, you know, not junk mail, but like stuff that I don't need to read right now. It's good to have. Maybe I'll search for it someday. Probably not. But it doesn't need to be opened right now. And then I'll go through the stuff that needs to be opened, like people responding to the first message in my uh, mailing list where I ask them, you know, what success would look like for their business or whatever. I, I posted some question and I'll go through those and I'll say like, can I, this is total David Allen. Can I answer this in under a minute? And if the answer is yes, I'll answer it and archive it. And if the answer is no, I'll create a to do to go back to it when, it, in, when I have time to give it the answer it deserves. And then I archive it. So what ends up happening is as you go through your inbox, you get to inbox zero, like every day. It's like, because if you, if you allow, here's the thing, I don't allow to do's like to sneak into my inbox, my other inboxes. If I, if I have to do something, I put it on my to do list and I keep my inbox empty because any crazy person on planet earth can put stuff in my inbox. I don't want any crazy person on earth to be able to give me to do's. So I, for me, it's very important to keep that separation between the two systems, because if I'm, if I've got time in my calendar that I want to do something, I don't want to look in my inbox. I I think a theme that's cropping up here is distractions. Like I, it's like, these are all, these are all strategies to avoid distractions. And, you know, as I, as I was listening to you, I was like, oh, so that's what he does. So, so we do (laughs) some of the same things and we do some differently. So I actually use software to do some of this. I use SaneBox. 
And so mm-hmm. I have things like um, I've coded particular people or sites as uh, sales, for example. And those are usually like product stuff. So those go to a sales folder. So I don't even look at them. They go right there. And I might not even look at them every day. I might look at them once a week. It kind of depends um, how busy I am with other stuff. I have one that's, it's a sane later file. And just as an example, you know, from LinkedIn, I get a notice when someone is either participating in a conversation that I've started or has asked for a connection or has accepted my connection. That all goes to the later file. And I never look at that till the end of the day. (laughs) Never. And, you know, so there are certain people that are like personal that have my professional email and I will have those go there as well. Um, and then I've got a few others. I have like a travel one where um, everything related to my travel goes. So I don't have to think about it. So if I am traveling, everything's there. If I need an itinerary, it's there. So I do, you know, I do a lot of that. Um, I pretty much, though, never take something from my email and put it on my to-do list. So what I'll do is if I see something that needs to be done, but I'm not going to do it now, and I, I say I do about the same thing like can I do this in a minute because I'd rather be done with it yep. uh, I will yep. but I will show it as unread or I will mm-hmm. mark it I will flag it it depends what it is usually the flag stuff are things I want for later they're not things I have to do as long as there's still an open to do I just show it as an unread message because then when I look at my email I'll see that little number and it will tell me that I have to do something very, very rarely does it go to my to-do list. Yeah, that that turns into bees for me. I want I want my inbox empty. So I I've tried that. And there's another thing in Gmail. There's a snooze function that I have tried, but it just doesn't work for me. Um, I mean, it does work, but I don't love it. It's there's something about it that you know, the snooze is like you know comes into your inbox and you're like basically snooze this until Monday or whatever. Mm. And yeah. then it disappears and then it just magically comes back on the date that you said. Yeah. And the th- that's, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't that. like that one either. I'm not though. like saying yeah. you shouldn't do that, but I just don't. Yeah. Cause here's what happens I'll have a memory of the message and then I'll think I dropped the ball on something because I can't remember replying. Uh-huh. Like I can't remember what state <laughs> it's in. So, uh, so I don't love that. I don't love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the same. There's just something, but the, yeah, the, for me, the dots in my email are not a, a buzz because there's not usually that many. I mean, I'm getting rid of everything. There's going to be, you know, there might be two or three things at any given moment. And a lot of times there's none, but when there are, I sort of like that reminder because I don't, I don't have to think about it. It's not a B. It doesn't become a B for me until I have to think about it and I might forget it. So that's why, you know, the the, the to-do list is great for stuff like that because I don't want it in my calendar if it's, a, you know, just like a silly little thing or if it's like a home thing I have to do. You know, I have to remember to, I don't know, schedule the air conditioning cleaning, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, and again, it just goes to point out what matters is how you experience this stuff. And, you know, you won't know until you try. Like if you try to get rid of that stuff and then see how it feels and decide not in a day, because if you're the kind of person that thrives on a busy calendar, looking at an empty one is going to make you crazy. (laughs) So you you try it and you sit with it before you decide you don't like it. You know, I I just think this is a very iterative process of figuring out what works for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, earlier I was talking about that sort of metal detector, what I say radar detector on like, you know, energize versus drain like notice that stuff because it's not like this is I'm just like pulling back the curtain so you can see how one wacko does it not necessarily suggesting that it's the way to do it I wouldn't you know this is always going to be a very personal thing Uh, but perhaps just there's certain certain experiences that I think are symptomatic of whatever whatever your system is that it's not working so like the feeling of being really busy but never getting ahead, that swarm of bees feeling, those are signs that like your time management's not, you know, there's opportunity for improvement. 
so okay so where so so i said i've got calendar i've got to do i've got depending on how much time i have i might check i might triage my email um and then there is usually reserved for days that i have nothing to do at all or i've got a solid half day and an easy afternoon or you know easy morning and then a solid afternoon then i'll check my maybe someday list which again is a, a david allen thing and the trick with this is when you there's this thing that happens where especially entrepreneurs especially solopreneurs that don't have to get anybody else's approval they're you're gonna have great ideas occur to you in, in the middle of the night or in the shower or whatever and you want to capture it and the tendency when i was younger i would be like i would like do it like oh what a great idea for a new workshop i'm gonna put that on my to-do list even though it's not it's just out of nowhere it's like it's like um it has a lot of energy to it i feel very energized but it's not probably it's probably not aligned with those three things that i want to get done that day or my theme for the year or whatever whatever i should be focusing on this particular week and if i want to have this kind of ruthless simplicity to my schedule i don't want to forget the idea but i don't want to put it on my to-do list either because i need to think about whether how it fits into the overall strategy or if it fits in with an overall strategy so i put it on this maybe someday list and that's if i've got a nice chunk of time i'll go in there because that's where all of my innovation comes from so i'll say like all right i've got time to think i've got tons of time to think i haven't you know this literally this summer for me has been very like around the house type projects redoing the bathroom i haven't been creating enough new stuff i feel like i'm i've been kind of lazy about creating new stuff so i was like okay as we're coming into september i'm going to be spending more time looking at the maybe someday list and pulling out the things that really do fit and create new stuff create new value that place i think it's important at least for me to have a place to capture what seems like a good idea in the moment but not to put it on my to-do list yet to put it in a place where i can think about it with like a clearer head in the cold light of day as they say and say like was this actually a good idea or was i just up too late <laughs> you yeah. know and then you can figure out what you need to do to push it forward or make a go no go decision you know like a listening tour or you know a, a slew of emails or you know write a sales page and test it out exactly the question that came to my mind, and I'm wondering if maybe listeners are thinking this too, is what do you do with your launches? Because you do a million launches. Like you do some little tiny launches and you do some big launches. Like where are those? Are those are those on your to-do list or are those in your calendar? Where where do you, or, or is it all in the SOP? Uh, that's a great question. It's And I've tried different things over the years. The calendar thing, I tried charting out like an entire year of launches because pretty much every month I launch a workshop and it just didn't work for me. I kept on getting caught short, kept on, it didn't matter what I did. If I, you know, if I blocked out an entire, you know, all day task the week before promote five day podcast challenge or something like that, I just never, I would be blind to it or something. It just didn't work. So for me, that all, to me, I, I put that in code. I, I just wrote it so it happens automatically. I, I couldn't, the calendar thing didn't work for me. If I was going to re, I didn't try this because I went from calendar to code. I don't think there was a step in between, but if I was going to do it without code, I would create a recurring task in my to-do list because that's where I put tasks and that is what it is. And then yes, then I would have an SOP. So it would be like, on the for the the Monday before the second Monday, because it's not always the, wait. It's Monday. Blah, blah, blah. There's actually some complicated date math with the launches, but whatever whatever the recurrence is, I would put in my to do list now. If I was going to do it without automation, I'd put it in my to do list. It would recur on a particular date, and then it would show up uh, every day at the right time, and it would stay there until I ticked it off. That's the for me the problem with putting stuff like that in my calendar is the next day it disappears. It, you know, if it was, if it was a Monday and now it's Tuesday, well, I got to remember to look back at Monday for all the stuff that I didn't do, or I have to move it, move it, move it, always be moving it. So I don't, I don't like that interface for this kind of stuff. Like it's like if on this particular Monday, I need to start promoting five day podcast challenge. 
I don't have to do it that day. I could I could start on Tuesday. I could start on Wednesday. But the farther I get into the week, the less effective it's going to be. So the but the pressure builds up and it stays there automatically until I tick it off. So that pressure, you know, the urgency of it just is automatic. It automatically builds up. So to me, that kind of stuff I would put in my to-do list. And then, yes, exactly. I would have an SOP for the different phases. There's like a pre-launch phase. There's a early registration phase. There's a registration phase. There's a launch phase. It's a real pain. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, that would be a, that would be, there would be a to-do for each phase that is sort of T minus the number of days before the go date. And that would recur. And then there'd be an SOP for each one because there's so many moving parts. Yes. But over time. Got to have an SOP for that. Yeah. And I just coded it. But yeah, that's how I, that's, that's how I would do it if I wasn't a developer. Okay. Yeah. I, I just brought that up because I felt like that was kind of the missing piece between the maybe someday and the everything else because you, you have, you're, it feels like you're always doing a launch, even if it's just a little tiny, like two week challenge. It's, it's still a mm-hmm. launch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you, and if you keep it simple, like if you follow the 80, 20 rule, it doesn't have to be nuts. You know, it doesn't have to be really, you really have to ask yourself, I feel like with a launch that's there, there's no end to how much time you could put into it. It's one of those things that can, that where the fish grows to the size of the bull. So you just have to decide at a certain point, you know, am I going to flog my list to get the last possible dollar out of there? Or am I just going to, you know, that's not fun and it's a lot of work and it's, it's not great, I think for the list. So for me, it's like, well, I'm just going to make people aware of it without going crazy and, and whatever, whatever sales are, sales are, would they have been higher if I flogged the list or if I worked 40 hours this week instead of four or whatever, then yeah, I probably would. So there's a real, that's, there's a real discipline there to kind of play the, to me, I feel like I'm playing the longer game. It's like, well, if they don't buy this time, they'll buy next time. You know, I don't need to, Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that. Like brinksmanship of the deadline, (laughs) you know, sometimes I do it, but it just creates so much extra work. And it's like, is the juice worth the, worth the squeeze for all of that extra work and more details and moving parts for one more sale? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't have data on it. I don't track that stuff. I have a general idea of like what I expect a launch to do numbers wise. So if it's higher, if it's really low, I might be like, huh, okay. I wonder if I could, should do some investigation to that. If it's really high, I might want to, like, what did I do differently this time? Is there any correlation? But I really never think about it anymore. Well, yeah, there's a difference between like your first launch and your 10th launch. And a lot of the, you know, so-called launch experts like a Jeff Walker, it's really, it's about just over the top constant stuff. And yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, you find the right balance for you. But uh, yeah, no, I was just curious because you do have uh, a regularity and consistency to your launches that is fairly unusual. I mean, it's basically every second Monday of every month. I mean, I just changed this because Automatic Proposal is evergreen now, but it was that the second Monday of every month, a new workshop started. And most of them are five days. One of them's 10 days. And, you know, the pricing seminar is like super long. Um, And so the week before the second Monday, which I feel like isn't always the first Monday, but I guess that's impossible. But there's something weird about the there's something weird about the date math. I can't remember Maybe it's what when it was. There's a holiday or something. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, because there's a lot of Monday holidays. I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's it's the kind of thing that you could put in a mildly sophisticated to do list, and it would just trigger different SOP for the different phases. So there'd be yeah, I think I already listed. It. It's like pre registration, early bird registration period registration closed and then like the postmortem stuff where I would set up everything for the next one. So if like five day podcast challenge launch ends, the course begins the day that the course begins, I would set up anything that I needed to set up for the next time right then. So that when it happened, it would be done because that's when I'm thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it when it's coming. 
So pulling any of the to-dos that I would have done right before the beginning of the launch sequence, I just do them at the end of the last launch, so then they're all set to go and I can forget about it. Yeah, I mean, it's fresh and all the learnings are right there when you're just on exactly. freshly on the other side of the launch. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yeah, all the tweaks. Anything else? I, I, we could we could maybe move into my most controversial, <laughs> my most controversial uh, time management or task management philosophy is to uh, just delete stuff that's getting old. Yeah. So if I have it to do on my list that's like a month old, I'm obviously I have demonstrated by my behavior that I am not going to do it. So I'll either delete it or if I think it's just a really bright idea that I want to keep, I'll move it to a different list. I'll move it to like a maybe someday list. And, and usually mm-hmm. I delete them. But every once in a while, it's like I have some bright idea and I'm like, oh, this would be so great. It would totally fit my strategy, but it's just aging here on my list. Obviously, I either haven't got the time or energy or something's going on that it's just not happening, but I don't want to lose it. So I'll move it to maybe someday. Yeah, the the analogy, I think, is, you know, somebody who does like crafts, like woodworking or sewing or knitting and you just keep piling up all these supplies but you never actually make anything it's kind of the yeah, same your stash thing is growing. It's like, yeah at some point you know you got to get the stash gone or at least yeah. out of sight or you have to start <laughs> right which is the the, the goal of the maybe someday list yeah all right cool well i've been as as predicted i've been soapboxing like crazy but this stuff is all I, i've just really dig this stuff i think it's some of the big picture things i think are really important to get got to get those swarm of bees away from your head that's the main thing yeah well it's this has been a very kind of tactical episode and i think we've had a couple of tactical ones i think we'll tackle something strategic next time but i i think this is helpful when you're just you're in that mode where you're saying something's not working I'm not feeling productive. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling like I'm moving towards where I want to be. I think this is a good primer to kind of sit down and rethink your processes and see if there's anything in here that you can't adopt for your own. Yep. Steal it. Take what you like. Whatever <laughs> Absolutely. works. <laughs> that's what this is for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.